you know, Jung says in a nutshell, the first half of life is often defined by um, the, the the ego achievement and kind of establishing oneself in relation to to others. And the and the second half of life, many people can experience a shift where it's kind of more about impact. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to tell you a quick story. A few weeks ago, we painted our house, and my wife left it up to me to choose the colors. And uh, I was like, you know, no problem. This is going to be easy. I'm just going to walk into Home Depot and, and, and choose the color. And, uh, you know, if you've ever seen that wall that they have all the color swatches, it's like a million different colors. It's, it, it's pretty overwhelming. As soon as I saw it, I was like, okay. I made a mistake. <laughs> I needed to have a plan going into this. Um, sometimes it can be like that, talking to talking to these adventurers that have done so much. You know, when, when you talk to someone like Travis and Mark, their life is so filled and so revolves around adventure. It can honestly be hard to, to choose a place to start. Um, so especially, you know, having them both on the show together, that essentially doubles the number of experiences that we could talk about. Um, but we decided to focus on a few, uh, one being the book that Travis wrote called The Ultra Mindset, an Endurance Champion's Eight Core Principles for Success in Business, Sports, and Life. That's a book that he wrote, of course. Um, you can find it anywhere, but I encourage you to get it at travismacy.com. And then also their recent Eco Challenge, which is a multi-day, like week and a half long adventure race that involves a number of different sports, all in Fiji. And it was actually made into a documentary that's on Amazon called The World's Toughest Race Eco Challenge Fiji. And it was also hosted by Bear Grylls, so that's pretty cool. Um, but they were a team that was in that race and, and did pretty well, but uh, it follows their story along with you know a lot of other teams competing. But anyway, to kind of draw it all the way back, Mark is the one who got started in adventure racing back in the 90s, competing in the very first Eco Challenge, which pretty much changed his life. And then as Travis saw his dad you know, competing in this stuff, it obviously shaped him, and they have gotten to do uh, just honestly more than I can even list in this intro. So I encourage you to follow them, check them out. They have a lot of interesting things that they're always doing, raising support for Alzheimer's foundations, which uh, if you don't know, uh, Mark was recently diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Um, and so we talk about that as well. Uh, but also I do want to mention Travis is coming out with a podcast soon and it's going to be called the Travis Macy show, you know, and I'm not exactly sure what it's going to be about, but, uh, he's filled with wisdom, filled with tons of experiences. And if he is able to share any of that on the show, it's going to be definitely a worthwhile listen. Um, but I encourage you to check that out as well. Follow them both on Instagram and uh, just be inspired by what they're doing. They're really humble, really just down-to-earth guys that uh, that have done some pretty incredible things. So, um, And also, thank you, Matt Shibanoff, for connecting the two of us. Travis tells a little story about you at the very end of the episode, and it's, it sounds like you might have a story to tell on this show, too. Something about breaking your arm and, and running 100 miles at the end of a, at the end of a bike ride. Crazy. Uh, but anyway, thanks again, Matt, and thanks again to uh, everyone that, that is now a new listener, if you have time or you want to, please leave us a review on an Apple podcast or whatever you're listening to. It helps a ton. Enjoy the episode. Travis and Mark Macy. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the show. Hey, Mason. Good to be here with you. We're coming in from Colorado. I'm in Salida and Dad's an evergreen. Yeah, this is Mark Macy. I'm glad to see you and glad to be on your show and uh, look forward to it. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, you guys are obviously incredibly well known for uh, for your adventures and for your adventure racing. I assume that starts with you, Mark. So if you don't mind, I'd love to hear like what what, what got you into that world because it was you know many, many years ago when you were doing this stuff and probably have seen so much change over the years. Do, do you remember or recall where, where this started for you, what you grew up doing, and uh, how you got into adventure racing? 
I basically started as an athlete of some sort a long time ago when I was, uh, I was a rock climber and, you know, I played baseball and all that kind of stuff. And one day I decided I was going to do a marathon. Uh, It was my day, first day running. I'd never run before that. Uh, Thought about it, but so I did the Mayor's Cup Marathon in in, uh, Denver and it was, I got killed, took me, I told my wife, if I'm not done with the race, you know, come and get me after five hours and, you know, she came to get me and (laughs) I still wasn't done. And so it took me, took me over five hours to do it. And that was day one of running for me and uh, didn't know anything about it and thought, this is pretty stupid. I'm going back to rock climbing. But <laughs> for some reason, I, for some, for some reason, I, you know, went back to, you know, running and then, you know, of some significance, I decided that I was going to do an Ironman triathlon and really didn't know much about it. I saw Julie Moss, take a dive at this pretty famous in the Ironman world. And uh, so I thought, well, I'll give that a go. Let's see if, see if I can do that. And, uh, you know, after maybe a year of training, I uh, actually did do the Ironman. In those days, it was a little bit easier to get into the race than it is now. And so I did the Ironman. And, uh, and then one night I was uh, – in Evergreen and you know there's a misty night and and I was watching the lead man uh not the lead man the shoot Leadville 100 probably mm-hmm. yeah yeah excuse me you know I do I do have Alzheimer's I don't I didn't tell you that yet I shouldn't should have told you so every now and then I kind of you know, lose my words and stuff. So if you could give me a little bit of break, that'd be, that'd be excellent. But no problem. But getting back to, okay, getting back to, to the Leadville 100, I was watching it on TV and I thought, you know, I'm in a misty night in, in, in the mountains. And I thought, man, you know what? I think I can do that. So, you know, sometime later I went to Leadville and, signed up that my first ultra race signed up and you know been at it ever since and you know things were pretty pretty simple in the olden days you know you just decide you're going to do something and you go do it and nobody cares and so we that, that's how i got into you know the, those events and, and then uh i think in 19 60 something i may be wrong about that but marshall alrick uh yes he's a you know one of the best ultra runners and in, in uh triathletes and stuff in, in in the world and he asked me if i wanted to do this race didn't know anything about it and and we joined joined this race and it was uh you know it made no sense whatsoever that we were gonna become adventure racers but uh that was yeah i don't know how many years ago that was 20 years ago or something in nine uh nine or ten uh, i think that was probably the that was like the first eco challenge in 95 right then yeah right. and that was that was kind of you know when i started getting excited about it so that that was you know mid 90s i was 12 years old and and they started putting those on TV from that was like 95 through 2002 was, was the original eco challenges, which maybe some people might remember, you know, they were obviously it was before internet, but they were on, uh, you know, discovery channel and USA network and, and fairly successful, um, you know, produced by Mark Burnett, who then went on to do survivor and the apprentice and, uh, all the other reality stuff. Um, and those, uh, I, I think Burnett moved moved on to Survivor and his other productions like after 2002. So the Eco Challenge itself sort of fizzled out, but but adventure racing continued just sort of out of the 
out of the eye of you know the the um, typical American TV viewer. Um, and and Dad continued to do races. He did a couple Primal Quest races. And uh, as I finished college in 2005, I really got into the into the sport as well, and and was able to you know race around the world and do all these events in China and South America and Europe and you know all kinds of places that were there were neat big races kind of like the one that maybe people saw recently on Amazon Prime um but they just weren't on TV and they didn't have all the the hype and everything um and didn't have the you know the backing of of an Amazon or anything like that but there were still cool races and you know at times we had good sponsorship and prize money and and that sort of stuff and finally the the world's toughest race which was the reiteration of the eco challenge came back in in 2019 and, and dad and i got to do that together and uh we had a blast on that yep it was great what tell tell us about what was that race for people that don't know anything about it could you just just outline what you did yep. and then i want to hear some stories from it because it sounded incredible yeah, so it's um, it, you know, if people are interested again, it's it's on Amazon Prime. It's called the world's excuse me, the world's toughest race. Um, but in a nutshell, for those who who are unfamiliar with the sport of adventure racing, um, it's it's a very dynamic competition in which uh, typically a co-ed team of four is traveling together. Um, for you know some of the races are shorter and, and shorter for adventure racing would be like six hours or 12 hours or 24 hours uh and then the the bigger races kind of like this one um and it's called an expedition adventure race and and for that you're probably talking somewhere between five and ten days uh depending on the race and depending on are, are you are you going for the win or are you just uh just trying to make it through and, and uh, you know, the going for the win is kind of what, what I've done in the past in a lot of the adventure races. And, and uh, you know, this time it was, it was more of uh, you know, let's, let's just have a good time and, and enjoy ourselves out there and, um, and do what we can. And we were, we were really psyched to do that. So um, what are you doing? Well, you're, you're doing a, a, a wide variety of sports. You're, you're trekking, you're mountain biking, uh, you're doing some sort of paddling, usually many kinds of paddling. So there could be uh, rafting, there could be kayaking, there could be canoeing. Uh, there's um, almost always some sort of fixed ropes. So, you know, you get to a, a, a cliff or a crag or a canyon or whatever, and they have the ropes set up. And then you're ascending the ropes and rappelling and doing Tyrolean traverses and um you know, just all, all, all kinds of various things on the ropes. Uh, and then you're also navigating the whole time it, with map and compass. So, you know, most endurance races, whether it's an ultra runner or triathlon, it's a, it's a marked course. And in this, this case, you know, you, the, the course is literally a sheet of paper with, with map coordinates on it. And then you plot those points on the map and you find your way using a map and compass, uh, you know, no, no GPS, no, no cell phones, you know, none of these, uh, you know, Google Earth or Onyx or these programs that we used to, you know, navigate around these days. Um, there's, there's none of that. And, and that's a big piece of it is, is the, uh, the navigation itself. Um, and then you're also racing around the clock. So the, the managing sleep, managing sleep deprivation, um, that becomes a big, big piece of it and you know typically like the the teams that are trying to win they're probably doing somewhere between you know maybe two three four hours of sleep uh per night for days on end um and, and continuing to race at a very high level so it's a definitely a pretty dynamic sport and you know i i think dad and i are a little biased but we think it makes for for good good tv you know there's always drama there's always uh you know just good good stories that emerge in addition to the competition itself which is um you know these are these are great athletes with a ton of experience to you know really racing at a very high level unbelievable i'm sure it's some great father-son bonding too were there any other teams out there that were uh you know father-son or siblings or, or related yeah, there's there's a bunch, you know, and and if it, for those who who watch the coverage, I mean, there's some some great 
stories, but there, there were a number of other, there a couple other father son teams I can think of. There was one, uh, let's see, there was a team with uh, a dad with, um, his two daughters who I think were maybe in their twenties. Um, and there was uh, a team of, uh, um, two guys, you know, two, two adult men who are friends with their, each of them had one kid in the race. And, and these were the, those, uh, youngsters you know i think one of them was 18 and one was 19 and that was a fantastic story we ended up being around those guys uh quite a bit during the race and and they were they were able to finish um so uh yeah you know it can it can be a it can be a family thing and i think in in this case um you know the event production had the challenge of let's make a race that's hard enough to be a legitimate race you know for these these top teams that you know have been winning the adventure racing world championship and uh that kind of thing you know for decades it's got to be hard enough that it's going to take them five or six days but it's got to be easy enough that you know some of the teams with less experience and and good stories that they may want to show on tv that they can make it within the 11 day cutoff and that's that's actually pretty hard to do because if it, if it's taking the top teams in the world five days, you know, it's going to be very hard for, uh, for less experienced athletes to do in, in 10 or 11 days. Absolutely. Mark, I'd love to ask you a question. This was your 25th year of adventure racing. Could, could, could you tell us a little bit about how has adventure racing changed over the years or from the first iterations of the Eco Challenge until, the, you know, the most recent one? You know, does it does it just seem like a totally different sport? And do, do the same principles hold true that were getting you through the races way back then? Yeah, you know, I'll tell you, the, you know, the race has, has become easier uh, or, or I'm sorry, I'm, I got it backwards. The race is much more, more difficult now than it used to be. You know, it was pretty simple back in the 19s, 1900s, whatever it was when I first started. You know, it started out in Moab, Utah, and, you know, none of us knew what was going on. And I remember Marshall, well, Alrick and I were kind of racing together and, we would navigate by standing up on spires, you know, looking for people, wow. and trying trying to find trying to find where people in the race are, so we could get back onto it. You know, we got dropped from it, and we were trying to get back. And uh, certainly, you know, people these days at the Eco Challenge aren't climbing up, you know, rock spires trying to find trying to find the race. So you know, as as years progressed, you know. You know, I was I raced for many years with Marshall, as I mentioned before, and and the name of of our team was Stray Dogs, and uh, we traveled traveled the world together, and uh, man, we just had a great time. And, and then, you know, once once you know, I it was I was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. It was unclear what would happen to me in uh in the eco challenge race and uh i didn't know if it was something that i should do or shouldn't do and and when ultimately we just decided you know this is what i do and i've been doing it forever and uh travis and i decided to put together a team and uh see what happens and so we we took our request, if you will, to allow me to race to uh, the Eco Challenge people. And I'd known them for many, many years, Mark Burnett and, and all the folks who run uh, Eco Challenge allowed me to race. And, and I assume they probably, I used to be a trial lawyer, and I assume they must have got their lawyers involved because, you know, that's a, that's a real issue whether or not somebody's going to make it, you know, if I'm going to make it or not. So in any event, they let me in the race and, and, you know, our, our team joined and we took off and, you know, it was just a, a great time, you know, with, between with Travis and our, and our teammates and one of the best events of my life. And I'll always cherish it. And, you know, like I said, I'll, I'll cherish it forever. 
It's awesome. And I'll, I'll add there, Dad, you know, regarding sort of, you know, does the race change over time? Like, you know, yes, it does. No, it doesn't. I, I, interestingly, some of the, if you're a, cha- if you're a fan of the older eco challenges, you know, from back in the day, you'll see many of the same athletes, you know, even some of the same top teams, maybe people who are in their twenties or thirties in the nineties. And now here they are in their forties or fifties and they're, and they're still winning these long races. And I think that's a neat thing that these, these races are, you know, they're, they're so long that it becomes less about your high end speed. And it's more about, perseverance and experience and working as a team and, and really just being resilient and being able to roll with the punches. And, and those are the same things that, uh, you know, th- that got people through those early eco challenges, you know, like the, whether it was Moab, Utah, or they did one in Argentina, they did one in New Zealand, uh, Morocco, Australia, Let's see what what else am I? Uh, Borneo, uh, uh, Fiji. The the 2002 race was in Fiji, and so Dad and and all his buddies they they you know they finished that race in Fiji, and they promised they'd never go back to the jungle in Fiji. And, <laughs> and then there they were, and, and and I didn't do that one. You know, I was in in college at that time. But um, as it turns out, all three of my teammates for this 2019 race. Uh, you know, which again is dad and, uh, and our good friends, Danelle Ballingy and Shane Siegel, they all did that 2002 race. So they had all been to Fiji before and they knew what they were getting into. And, uh, I was, I was, I guess maybe a little more naive, but still pretty excited to get out there and see what it was like. That's awesome. I had actually uh, promised myself that I would never go back to Fiji in my life (laughs) because it's just a brutal place, you know, a very, very difficult place to race through when it was determined that there was going to be another eco challenge. And and my closer told me it was going to be in Fiji and (laughs) you're not going to go to Fiji, are you? And he said, no, I'm not going either. And all of us said we weren't going to go, but you know, when time, when the time comes and, you know, all the adventure racers get the call and, you know, no matter where it is and no matter what it is, everybody goes and, and that's what happened. And, and it turns out, you know, Fiji is, if, if you ever go there and you, you see the villages and the people and they're the greatest people on the planet, almost, you know, they're, you know, they help you. They're, they feed you at night if you want. You know, they'll give you the clothes off their back if, if you need them, you know. So so going back to Fiji was well worth it. And, and uh, next time there's a race in Fiji, I don't know if I'll be be able to do it in, when that occurs. But if possible, I'm going to go back there someday. So, Well, well it sounds like Fiji redeemed itself to you and you were able to have a good experience there y'all weren't hanging out on the beach necessarily but uh <laughs> you get you got to experience a good side of fiji that not a lot of people get to honestly so travis you you, you mentioned something before just talking about that endurance mindset and that that being able to uh you know people that are a little bit older being able to just outdo some of these younger athletes did you growing up under your father's just everything he was doing did you adopt that mindset early yeah that's a good question mason and i i think i was and i i definitely talked about that a bit um in my book the ultra mindset you know kind of the, the these mindset ideas that come from endurance racing and can help you in the races, but maybe help you in other areas of life as well. And I, I would say it's true that, that for me, you know, it, it, it wasn't dad pushing me into these things or, you know, you, you must become an endurance athlete or you should or anything like that. Um, but it was more of just having exposure to it. So, you know, when you're a kid and you see people out running a hundred miles in Leadville, Colorado, or doing, you know, the Badwater Ultra Marathon or doing the Eco Challenge on TV, you know, it just, it, it becomes a little more normal. And in so many things in life, whether it's adventure racing or, you know, dealing with the pandemic or, you know, the uncertainty within the Alzheimer's journey, so many of these things, uh, it's, it's just a, a question of how do you uh, handle uncertainty? 
how do you roll with the punches? What are the stories uh, that, that you tell yourself? You know, how much do you believe in yourself and your family and your team to get through it? So, yeah, I think those those were things that, that I, you know, just kind of by chance did have some more exposure to as a, as a kid. And I was, you know, l- lucky, I guess you could say, to, to be able to become a pretty competitive endurance athlete, you know, in, in my 20s and 30s. And, it, you know, I guess now maybe I'm a little the opposite. I'm, I'm racing less now than I'm in my late 30s and, you know, kind of a little more family time and, and more um, – unstructured adventure, you know, whether that's doing things around my house here in Salido or getting into other endurance activities like backcountry skiing and uh, hunting and, you know, travel and that kind of stuff. So I, I still, you know, I still like racing and, uh, you know, I'm still doing a, a bit here and there. And obviously that, that eco challenge was a huge push and, and uh, time consumer there for, uh, for one year, but I'm, I'm definitely doing less racing than, uh, than I used to, um, which at this point is okay. And who knows, maybe I'll do, maybe I'll get back into doing more sometime in the future. I don't know. Could you both share maybe a story of where, um, being endurance and being ultra athletes helped you in in another aspect of life, maybe just the mindset or the principles in place, um, because I'm always curious as to how adventure helps us live our lives better. And, uh, you know, with talking to two legends right here together, I'd, l- I'd love to learn from you. I'll tell you what, as, as far as I'm concerned, the best part of everything I've done as an athlete is that I've been granted the right to travel all over the world. You know, I've been places that you know, I never thought I would get to, I've been a lot of places, nobody's, you know, hardly anybody goes to. And, uh, and I know for a fact that had it not been for adventure racing, I wouldn't have seen all these places. I wouldn't have been to Fiji twice. Who goes to Fiji twice, you know, and who goes, who goes to the Sahara desert twice in races and all that's three times in the Sahara desert, you know, I mean, that's the coolest place you can go to on the planet is the Sahara Desert. And if you haven't been there sometime, I, I, I recommend it. You ought to go. It's really a neat place, you know. And I'll never forget those places, and I'll never forget the friends that I've made. And, I've, you know, I'll never forget the other people that I raced against, but we're really friends. And, uh, and I'll tell you what, I... I don't know that I'll ever get to do a race like, um, you know, the Eco Challenge if it comes up. But that's mainly because I probably lack the capability to hold my own for with my, you know, teammates, you know. But, you know, I'm still still consider myself to be an athlete and I'm, I'm pretty fit and fit is pretty strong and, you know. Any small adventure races come up, I'm going. That's for sure. Um, so, life's been great, and I'm, um, you know, happy with everything that I've done. And you know, you talk about, you know, the shoot. I just can't even remember what what the disease is that I have. That's. that's it's not important (laughs) maybe a good thing to forget about (laughs) (laughs) yeah i could have done without the alzheimer's the rest of it's been good yep yeah i'll i'll add there mason you know as far as like what are other areas of life where maybe these these things that you know whether it's from adventure racing or ultra running or, or, you know, maybe things that, that are a little more common, you know, going out for your hike or run or like in Colorado, a big thing is to hike a 14 or, you know, and that's a, that's a big challenge. That's something that's very hard for, for a lot of people and they should be very proud of, of achieving. Um, I think you can learn a lot from that. Um, you know, I, I know in my own life, some examples are, with uh with parenting you know there's moments as a parent where you know you're doing something really important that's a big thing in your life and that you're 
that you're wholly committed to, but it's it's still very challenging. You know, when you have young kids, you're you're staying up all night and you're you know attending to their needs uh, all the time. And then as you know, as as kids uh, get older, um, you know, there's there's just different wonders and challenges at, at every age. And I think that uh, you know you you learn again by going out and doing your race or your hike or, you know, running your, your 10 K race. Like you just learn that, that suffering is okay and there's a value to it. And, and sometimes the, the suffering that you take on by choice, you know, in a training or a race or an adventure. Um, I think that's, that's building a well of resilience for suffering that comes not by choice. You know, one of dad's sayings over the years was, was always, it's good mental training. And that's the idea that you're, you're doing something tough um, and you're training mentally for, for the harder things that come later on, because we all will face big challenges in life that are not by choice. And, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's a medical, medical diagnosis. Maybe it's uh challenges, um, you know, within your, within your family or relationships. Um, maybe I, I know for me, some of the adversity I faced is, is some depression and anxiety along the way. And, and that's definitely been very hard at times, but it's also been something that, that I, I tell myself I'm, I'm prepared for. I've done really hard things and I know that, that I can make it through this. And I believe in myself deeply, uh, to, to come out on the other side. So, uh, yeah, I think there's, you know, in my opinion, everyone should get outside and do something hard that pushes their, their limit and comfort zone a little bit because you are going to learn from it. And I think you're probably going to find out that, that you like it, you know, more, more than you thought you would. And, and maybe it, maybe for you going out and pushing your limit in the outdoors, you know, maybe that just, just means going outside when it's cold out or going for a walk around your neighborhood in, in the dark. You know, these are things that, that for many people feel uncomfortable, go, go out and, and try it, you know? And I, I, I think, uh, I, I mean, I could go on and on about this mindset stuff, but one final thing I'll say is, is one, one thing I've learned is, is that often to, to move towards something that you, that you want to move towards, um, fear is going to be in the way, you know, it's often not the easy path. And if you live your life according to moving away from fear or things that you're worried about, you're probably also not going to go towards the things that you want. So I, I, I try to move more towards the things that I want, even if there's some fear and uncertainty, uh, in the way. And, and I know, I mean, you know, Hey, the global pandemic, like we got some good news maybe about some vaccines coming out here sometime soon, but there's still a whole lot of uncertainty for all of us. And, uh, you know, it's a challenging time. It's a time that we're going to have to grapple with fear and figure things out. Mm, Great words of wisdom from both of you. And, and I, and I think you're totally right. You know, there's, that that's some criticism I hear with adventure. Sometimes it's like, yeah, those those skills aren't applicable because you chose to go out there and do that. Not you know, not everything you get to choose to do, you know. But you know, I'd have to disagree. A lot of the times when I'm sitting there going through something, it is okay. Remember that time you did that? That was really hard. Yeah, you chose to be out there, but you didn't chose the circumstance that happened while you were out there necessarily. You didn't control that weather pattern or whatever it is, and um, it is a reservoir of, of inspiration that you can pull from. L- let me ask you this from both of you, and, and I know we're kind of keeping it somewhat surface level because we, we, we find that folks with so many experiences, it, it's almost hard to just choose one versus an interview where it's like, I did this one adventure. We'll just talk about that adventure. Um, you guys, it's like books and books worth of stuff. What, what would you say is one of the biggest misconceptions uh, about your lifestyle and, and about achieving the difficult things you've done that, that, that you hear from people on the outside? I, th- I think for a misconception I hear or... or one thing I hear people say at times is, you know, they'll maybe they watch the Eco Challenge on TV or, you know, whatever they they read your book or they see something like an ultra run and and they say things like, "Oh man, that's that's so cool! I I wish I could do that or I wish I could do hmm. something like that," uh, you know, or or I'd like to do that but I'm not athletic or 
you know, th- things of that nature. And, and I think that's a misconception because, because really, you know, I mean, we're, we're normal people who, you know, have, have families and, you know, need to make ends meet. And, and uh, you know, we wake up and we put our pants on one leg at a time, just like everyone else. And I, I think that a misconception is when it, and it happens in many areas, you know, you see a great actor or you see the politician or you see the, the novelist and you think, oh, that person was, you know, bestowed from above with uh, with something special. And, and really, you know, I think in pretty much every case, like, yeah, maybe there is some degree of, of genetic talent or predisposition to enjoy certain activities. But for the most part, you know, people go out and they achieve success or they make it through or they finish the race or or whatever. You know, they do that because they put in the time and and because because uh, they work hard. And, and, and I think that, you know, if you want to have a lifestyle where where anything, you know, in my case, it's living outside and having, you know, having activity and nature be part of your life. If you want to do that, you know, you can, you can figure out how to do that. It's probably not going to be easy. And, uh, you know, like in my case, I've had to make a decision like, okay, I'm going to be self-employed and there's some doubts and worries about that. And, uh, you know, we have to pay for health insurance and, you know, all, all of these barriers that are in the way. But I think you can make it work uh, if you want to. So I, th- I think that, uh, you know, if if you're out there listening to this and you have some big idea, and I don't care if it's athletic or entrepreneurial or, you know, any anything else, just a way that you want to live your life, you know, really, life isn't that long. You only have one shot. And, and if you want to figure out how to how to do it, you probably can, you know, and it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be easy but uh you know you you can do it so yeah in other words there's there's nothing special about uh, uh about people we're all just people and uh, you know you you figure it out and, and you persevere mark did you, did you have anything to add to that or did that did that yeah. sound pretty good to you yeah you know i tell you all all the stuff that that i've done and that travis has done and that all of our friends have done uh you know, it's, it seems so dramatic and so difficult. And how can how can you go out and you know spend seven days in the jungle or whatever it is? And you know, it sounds like like nobody could do it. But all of us who do, in fact, do it, we're no different than anybody. It is anybody else. Other than at some point in our lives, we've decided we're going to give it a go and you know, see what happens. And it's as simple as that, as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, I gave it a go and Travis gave it a go. And now we've been every place we ever wanted to go to. And, you know, we had friends everywhere and it's pretty cool. You know, we, we hear it over and over again. It's It really is just getting out there and starting to do it. And it, it's not rocket science in that sense. Mason, I think you're right. I, I'm kind of cutting you off, but but the first step is always the hardest. You know, the, there, there's a, um, oh gosh, this this uh, author, he, he's, uh, one of his books is called The War of Art, and the other one is, is called um, Turning Pro. I can't remember his name. Oh, Stephen Pressfield is his name. Okay. And and what he talks about in uh, in the War of Art, he's talking about writing, you know, and he's saying it when when you're a writer, um, there's always going to be this resistance, you know, like every every time you sit down to write, there's this resistance and there's this this force like that's pulling you away from from your writing or your work or your dream. And I think that's true. Like, you know, when I apply that to running like or, or training, like, you know, I wake up and, it, you know, it's cold and dark and miserable in the morning for me, just like it is for everyone else. And there's this, even when I've done it so many times, there's this resistance, like, oh, am I going to go out there right now? Like, this sucks. Like, this is going to be miserable. <laughs> and, you know, that resistance is still there. But when you push, you know, you probably talk, you know, whatever it is you do with your business and your life and adventures, like, it's still, it's always hard to get going. You know, the first step is the hardest. And that's why, you know, you, you read these self-help books and they're like, 
put out your clothes in the morning, you know, ahead of time. And, and it's true. Like I do that. I, I like put my running clothes in a pile so that I don't have to find them. And they're already there. Now I can just put them on and go running. So, you know, you, you try to chip away at that resistance, but it's always going to be there, you know, even when, you know, again, the, the accomplished author or, you know, the, the, the singer or the songwriter, the, that resistance is still there. Like you still have to have to push through and make that first step day after day after day. And that's true in, in so many areas of life. You know, think about like a marriage or a long relationship, like the, you know, the, the resistance pushes you to just, you know, assume the worst of your partner or just, you know, give up and not do your best. But if, if you keep chipping away at it and put your best foot forward, you know, you're, you're, you're going to do your best and things are going to work out. Oh my gosh, that's so true because we, we hear it a lot too. And I see it in my own life. It's when you get started in something, especially if it's really new to you, you tend yep. to make a lot of mistakes at the end. It's more expensive. You're breaking things. And there's all yeah. this resistance in that sense. Like things go wrong because you don't know what you're doing. And so there's this initial amount of like, oh my gosh, I'm starting this. But then there's also like, I remember my first bike trip ever. I had two flats in the first day and my rack broke. And it was like yep. <laughs> all the things that could go wrong seemed to go wrong that first day. And it's like, I can't do this every day. Every day's like this. And it wasn't. It was yep. just, I didn't know what I was doing. But once you get into it, you're like, okay, you can avoid a lot of the, those those things that, that prevent you from doing it in the first place. It's really interesting. Haven't really yep. thought about it that way before. Yeah. Yeah. It's usually going to, whatever it is, it's probably going to take longer and be harder than you thought. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the word of encouragement for everyone listening. It's going to be harder than you're thinking right now. And it's going to take yeah, longer. Yeah, it's yeah. going to cost Yeah, more. I don't know if that's <laughs> exactly. I don't know if that's encouraging. But, but it's, it's true. You know, welcome to life. And, and when you have that attitude, sometimes, you know, one thing I tell my coaching clients fairly often is, is perfect is the enemy of good. You know, when you go into a, you know, a scenario and, and all you, you will accept nothing but perfect. Well, you, you know, you might never do anything if, if you don't, if you only do things under perfect conditions, pretty soon you're not going to do anything at all. You know, mm. <laughs> good really is good. Like that's, that's why it's called good. <laughs> mm. Yeah. What do, what do you think about that, Mason? I mean, you, you know, doing your, your podcast and your kind of work, you know, do you, do you have any thoughts about that? Have, have you had to, you know, deal with uncertainty and just figure things out and uh, sometimes accepting something that's not perfect, but it's good enough? Well, I tell you what, we release an episode every Monday and Thursday and, uh, if I was waiting on perfection, we wouldn't be releasing any episodes. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. is. It is just getting it done, getting it out there. But yeah, I yep. def. I definitely am played with that sometimes in my personal life. Like, you know, yep. I, I'm waiting on things to be perfect or or feel guilty because they're not perfect. And then and then at some point it reaches it reaches this breaking point that says it is what it is. Let it go yeah. and yeah. Uh, keep keep pushing forward. But. Um, no, that's uh, that's uh, that, those are great words of advice. Let me ask you guys this real quick: at this stage of your life, at this stage of your careers, uh, what or who in inspires you on a daily basis to keep going? You know, in the in the long term, it's been my my wife and and uh, my family and you know, kids, grandkids. And, uh, when I was when I was younger, my dad was was a big inspiration to me. You know, and I thought of him a couple of days ago. He was he was in the Battle of the Bulge, and he was one of those kind of guys who had never said anything about having been in World War II. Never said a word to me, and I had to keep prying him, <laughs> prying at him. Come on, Dad, tell me, tell me. And finally, one time, he told me he had, he had uh, was in the Battle of the Bulge, and I said, "How come you never told me that?" And and he said. Well, he never asked, and Jeez. you know, and and, and I, I've kind of lived like my dad's, you know, for all these years. You know, I try not to say a whole lot, and you know, you just see what happens and give it a go, and uh, you know, don't quit. Yeah, 
I, I don't think I can say it any better than that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, uh, you, you know, for a lot of my racing career, there was definitely um, motivation from prize money or the, the, you know, recognition and that kind of stuff. And I, I, I do, feel, I, I think as I've grown older, you know, things have changed a, a bit. Uh, this may be go, going down a rabbit hole, but uh, the psychologist Carl Jung has, has this, uh, theory called the two halves of life and that maybe someone hopefully someone listening to this has heard of this but you know Jung says in a nutshell the first half of life is often defined by um the the ego achievement and kind of establishing oneself in relation to to others and the and the second half of life many people can experience a shift where it's kind of more about impact and less about proving oneself less about, you know, sort of the result and more about, you know, making a difference with a more of a, um, I don't know, a, a grounded purpose. And, and I think that, uh, I don't know, but for, for me, you know, the, the Alzheimer's journey is definitely challenging. I mean, that's, that's definitely, uh, you know, stuff like that throws you for a loop. And, um, I think I found kind of a deeper purpose and, you know, do, doing things for, for impact, trying to, trying to help other people, um, you know, finding that same inspiration from my kids thinking about, you know, dad's dad, we, we, we sprinkled his ashes up on a mountain, uh, you know, an evergreen and every, t he still inspires me, dad. Every time I run by there, I think about grandpa and I think about him and all these other young guys, you know, in 1940, whatever, they walked all the way across France with people shooting at them, you know, sleeping on the ground every day, all winter long. And, and I'm like, okay, you know, whatever the challenge I have, you know, whether it's physical or mental or uh, professional, you know, it's, it's really not that, uh, not that much compared to that. So, you know, putting things in perspective and, and again, just trying to make a difference and, you know, I'll also say my my own dad is still an inspiration to me. And dad's dad showed me that, you know, no matter what position you're in, it's never too late to help other people. And I think that's really powerful. Mm. We're we're also I think dad and I found a new inspiration. We're we're, you know, trying to make a difference for other people with Alzheimer's, whether whether it's a person with Alzheimer's or, you know, their spouse or their family member or you know, kid, like the, you know, sometimes you you choose to be in certain communities, like the, you know, the endurance racing community, and sometimes you're you're thrown into a community, you know, again not by choice. <laughs> your your but community we're part chooses of that you. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, exactly, or something like that. You know, but we're 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 trying to help people there. You know, as 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 we can, we're we're trying to. We've been in touch with the, with the Alzheimer's Association. Um, they have an event in June called the Longest Day, um, which is on the summer or solstice. You know, it's kind of a, basically an Alzheimer's Awareness Day, fundraising events and that kind of stuff. And uh, I don't know, we're to, we're trying to help them with something for that yet yet to be determined. But we might try to go out and do something long on that day, kind of in association with with that. Well, I tell you what, sometimes the 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 unexpected turns can can be the most rewarding. Uh, when you look back at them, you never, and I'm sure y'all have taken some wrong yeah. turns out there on those adventure races yeah. and, and are happy you did in, in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. Some of, some of the cliche sayings are they're, they're, they're true. They come, they become, you know, well-known cliches because they're actually true. And that's right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but where, where can folks find out more about you and what you're doing next? Uh, dad's doing some gramming, right? Dad, Instagram. Yeah. I'm doing what? <laughs> got him on the gram dad, dad does have an instagram dad does have an instagram page it's it's at mbc146 i keep hearing about it all the time but i can't really you know, find anything well, he's, he's, he's got a he's got a tech support team too okay but, there uh, you go no dad dad does uh mom's 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 pretty techie and, and uh, dad dad does love here people on there you know with uh whether it's notes or or whatever and uh yeah i'm mine is at travis macy and i've got a website too that you can find if you type in my name um so yeah and well, i wanted to give a shout out mation to um athletic brewing i know you you work with those guys too um i've i've really been super happy with uh 
with the non-alcoholic craft beers. One of one of your colleagues there um, turned me on to it. He's a former coaching client of mine, and uh, they're they're really good. So good job. Yeah, man, that's uh, old Matt. Old Matt in New York. He's a big fan of yours. Obviously, loves what you're doing, and uh, he's a great, he's super inspired to do it. We're going to be doing an adventure coming up here next year. Not not sure oh, what cool. yet, but with athletic. <laughs> We had, we'll have to tie you in, man, because it's going to be a fun time. Um, obviously, COVID pending, but we'll we'll see what we can make happen, no, you know, and be uncancelable. So uh, we'll have to yeah. we'll have to <laughs> we'll have to yeah, keep yeah. you in the no, loop about us, that. That'd, that'd be neat. Matt is an example of you know a, again just a guy who lives and works literally in Manhattan in New York City, and he had the dream of doing the doing the lead man, you know, running a hundred miles, biking a hundred miles which obviously is very different from Manhattan terrain, elevation, et cetera. But man, he jumped in, he trained hard and, and he just, he did, he did awesome. And he had a bad crash on the bike and he, and he, uh, he broke, Oh, he went out, I think he broke his ribs or something. <laughs> he had a, uh, I shouldn't be laughing. It was, it was a nasty crash. Oh, and, then, and then he went out and started the hundred mile run the next week with broken ribs. I mean, he literally had his arm in a sling and, and went out and gave it his best shot. But like, what a, you know, what an awesome story. What a cool guy. Like the, people like that totally inspire me. That is too cool, man. Wow. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to ask him a little bit more about that because I only <laughs> yeah. know very little. So, geez. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a good story. He needs to do an athletic brewing uh, blog or something like that. Oh, my. Yeah, we're going ha- to have to get him to write something because I don't think he would just tell you. He, a little, he's a little too humble. But, uh, well, well, folks, you know, Macy's, the Macy's, I appreciate y'all joining us. Really appreciate what y'all doing, y'all are doing, being an inspiration, just helping, you know, normal folks do incredible things. It's, uh, it's very inspiring. So thank you for sharing just, just a smidget of your story. I know there's a billion other things we could have said, but I appreciate it. No, thanks Mason. Really good to be here. Great chat and great, great, great questions. Good job with your podcast. I've listened to a number of them and you're doing an awesome job and cranking out a huge volume. So way to go. Keep, keep it up. Like I said, it's not perfect, but we're getting it out there. All right, y'all have a great e- evening and we'll, we'll talk soon. Yeah. Have all a good right. one guys. See, you. See, you, right. See y'all. Bye. First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun.